This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. Over the shoulder catch by Kirk in the end zone for a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Paul Calvisi, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. From 37 yards away to win it for the Vikings. Snap, spot. The kick is up, and the kick is no good. He missed it wide to the right. He missed it, and the Cardinals win it 34-33. Oh, my goodness. Magic has happened in front of the Red Sea once again. Can you taste it? Sometimes things just happen. You can't explain it. Maybe you don't want to explain it. And that was the case on Sunday for the Cardinals. They were the benefits of several breaks, including that missed chip shot field goal as time expired. And here we are, gentlemen, talking about a 2-0 and football team. Drew, have you been either been on the receiving end or on the other side of a game that ended like that? A gimme field goal and it just does not go between the uprights. Man, it's a nice feeling. I think those are the games you look back on at the end of the year, and that's why you get in the playoffs. That's why you kind of get the ball rolling, and really you can take the season to divide it up into four quarters. Well, I guess now with 17 games it's a little (laughs) bit harder to do, but uh, through that, being able to start strong uh, in September and playing good football and, you know, an 0-2 football team in the preseason, people probably asking questions, panicking, doing all this. We're 2-0 right now when it counts, and that's uh, that's a testament to everybody and all three phases of this team being able to put it together. That's actually the first time I've heard that call, even though I had the headset on to the sideline because the stadium was so loud, I couldn't hear anything. It was just pandemonium. It was bedlam down there. I wanted to run over and go find Kirk Cousins and yell at him, You like that? You like that? But I figured, Drew, that uh, you know, former Michigan State quarterback yourself, I might have gotten a straight right. He might have dropped me right at about the thirty-yard line. So yeah, probably good he didn't. <laughs> now, always. Paul, did you know when the kick went up, or when did you realize from your vantage point that it was it's, missed right? When you're on the sideline, it's very hard to tell, is it not, Drew? It, the depth perception t- sometimes gets you, but as it was going past the goalpost, I'm like, wait a minute, that actually went. Beyond, you know, you could see the goalposts in front of the ball. I'm like, I think that's wide right. And then instant later, boom, the signal went up. And uh, But it can be deceiving, as we all know, because the Vikings radio announcer. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why you look at those guys, right? It's so hard to see it. And most times when you have that vantage point, like you said, you're looking at the upright. See which side of it goes. Does the ball disappear if it doesn't? But most times you're just looking at those guys to give you the signal. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, you know, just to see the reaction from everyone down there. And believe me, it was sort of like a slow death march. I mean, it was dead man walking. That whole final four or five plays of the drive as they were basically just improving their field position and getting their kicker in position, and he'd hit 252 yarders early in the game. You're thinking, even though he missed the extra point, and maybe there was a pass factor in there because Dave was sure to mention that, but it seemed inevitable. And then boom, but there's no extra column 
in the standings. It's win and it's loss. There's no extra points for a dominant win in week one, and there's nothing less than a, a win if you win when you should have lost. And that's arguable, but it, you're 2-0, and as Drew said. Yeah, and it doesn't matter at the end of the season. You're either in the playoffs or you're not based off your record in the Cardinals right now, 2-0. Here's head coach Cliff Kingsbury after that 34-33 win. Just really happy for our guys. I've lost my mind when, when I saw it not go through just because we battled, you know, to lose the turnover battle, to give extended drive on, on that roughing the, the kicker on, on the punt um, and still find a way to beat that team no matter how we got it done was was impressive fight by these guys. You look at how this game unfolded, Drew, and the first half, the back and forth, neither team able to stop each other. It was what I expected in week one against the Titans and their offense. And here, the Vikings came ready to play a desperate team. They punched the Cardinals in the mouth, and the Cardinals took a little while to respond, getting, getting down by 13 points. But a good back and forth from a fan perspective, a lot of fun to watch, maybe not for the players on the sidelines. Well, you look at the adjustments they made at halftime, and it's a testament to Vance Joseph. I, I think Dalvin Cook averaged over seven yards a carry in the first half. So you have to be able to be prepared for that style of offense. It's zone running game they're going to get their whole you know there's going to be holes in there you have to be very gap sound and when you have younger players sometimes it makes takes an adjustment get a feel for what they're trying to do and break down you break you down defensively so you look at the second half of what Dalvin Cook did and I don't know for sure what his stats were but I think it was under three yards of carry and as an offensive team our goal was always to have four yards average per rush so when you can get below that in the second half and hold them to that it, it you know it's going to give you a better chance to be successful in the long term and it wasn't just the numbers it, it was the eyeball test he seemingly in that first half was getting to the second level untouched 16 yard run followed by a 13 yard run and I was shocked because Minnesota's interior O-line was a liability against Cincinnati. So I was shocked early. It seemed like, to Drew's point, those two words again, gap, integrity, that was an issue. And then the linebackers seemed to be over-pursuing. Rob Fredrickson cited that in the pregame show going in that when Derrick Henry got it rolling a little bit in week one in the third quarter, the inside linebackers were over-pursuing. That seemed to be happening against Dalvin Cook. But then there's Dalvin Cook. Wow, was he impressive. In person from the sideline, just his ability to make guys miss. I mean, seemingly the first two or three guys who meant for a tackle missed on him almost every snap. He finished with 131 yards, but just 35 yards in the second half. Six 10-plus runs in the first half, just one in the second half. So the adjustment by defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. Then you look offensively, Drew, at what Kyler Murray has done now in back-to-back weeks. He totaled four touchdowns, but two interceptions. We'll get into the offensive numbers in our next segment. But when you look, and it's good we have a quarterback here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, but those two interceptions, we heard from Kyler Murray that he was hit on the second one. There was a nice hand in the face mask that adjusted his head, and he thought that was going to be a touchdown. But then the linebacker coming out of nowhere, is that one of those just, hey, tip the cap to the defense, or did you see something else on those two plays? Well, I think as a quarterback, you sometimes you get wrapped up in the results and you have to peel back that and say okay well why did I make that interception or why did I throw that touchdown I mean if you look at the big plays that happen throughout the course of the game sometimes it turns out good sometimes it turns out bad I mean I thought the touchdown pass to Rondell Moore he actually could have thrown hot in the flat but he didn't he made a guy miss made a spectacular play and Rondell was there for a touchdown but those two interceptions to your point 
he made a rhythm throw. Um, you know, he was looking to the left and came back to, and Vigil just did a great job of dropping to his own coverage. He hooked out, just didn't get it up far enough outside and get his eyes there soon enough to see it. He did a great job of looking off. But then, because of that zone dropper and his eyes are on the quarterback and they're not playing man, he just jumped in front of it and we got a pick. Now, the second one, again, I, I'm not like so worried about getting hit in the face. That's extremely difficult. And, you know, if he, him talking about that, that, those little things do really have an effect on you. People don't understand that, the chaos in front of your feet or getting hit in the head when you're trying to make that throw. But with a free safety in the middle of the field, that's somewhat of a risky throw because that defender knows he has help, so then that corner can under undercut the uh, wide receiver, and that's what allowed the uh, interception to transpire. So, again, it's not necessarily the end result as it is as much as why it happened. It's amazing. He still had a passer rating of 117.6, even though he threw two picks, including a pick six. So that shows you how efficient and productive he was otherwise. It's just what you hear out of the locker room about Kyler. You know, come from the arms, stay for the legs. Now it's admire the mind. It's how he's beating defenses with his mind going through his progressions. If you listen to the head coach and some of his teammates spreading the ball around, even though he'll turn his back to the line of scrimmage and still circle out of there and he's got the rearview mirror going and he's looking around, he now has his eyes downfield. So that's what guys are talking about in there. The next step for Kyler as the quarterback beating you with what's between the ears. 400 passing yards, yet post-game Kyler Murray just not quite all the way happy. I tell you all the time, I mean, it's, it comes down to shooting ourselves in the foot and stopping ourselves. Uh, we score, it feels easy and it feels fun. And then when we, you know, turn the ball over, negative plays, it's like, damn, you know, it feels ugly. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is. We have to, uh, we have to continue to get better and uh, continue to practice. Cardinals through two games, the number two ranked offense, the number two ranked scoring offense, yet it's how that game ended with the offense not being able to finish the game in that final drive. I totaled it up 24 seconds when you have Mm. the lead and you want to finish the game with the offense on the field. Unfortunately, Drew, that's not what happened. And I think that's what left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths when you talk about the offense. Yeah, you always want to end the game with the offense having the ball. You know that that's what coaches always love to say is the best formation of football is the victory formation. And so, you know, it, I think you can tip the cap to what happened in the first half, though. And when you look at um, being able to get those points and how instrumental that was for Prater to go out there and crush that 62-yard field goal, that carried over. Now, yes, the second half played out the way that it did, but getting those points right before half were huge because it puts you in the position to be able to go out there and win. And, and you know, this is a Vikings team that honestly is probably going to struggle. But to Paul's point, when you can go out and you can win in dominant fashion or you can win close football games, no matter how you win, going through each scenario is only going to make you better throughout the entire course of the season. You know, Cliff Kingsbury did own that final possession in the postgame radio interview he called it quote awful play calling now Kyler did step out of bounds on the first play and that stopped the clock and then the second play there was the sack hello Daniil Hunter wow he is the real deal every time you see him you realize how underrated he truly is but yeah and you know what the defense was a little gassed and they had to get right back out on the field like you said after 24 seconds off the clock and then it showed because Kirk Cousins and company went right down the field yeah it did not look good but the finish that's all that matters is the Cardinals pick up the win here's Buda Baker on now being 2-0 even as ugly as it looked on Sunday I mean that was definitely an ugly game 
but sometimes you got to win those ugly games. You know, our offense did a great job putting so much points on the on the board for us, and the defense. You know, we got to be better. Special teams, we got to almost blocked a punt, got that penalty. You know, a lot of penalties. We can we can be better, but a win is a win. One and zero mentality. Cars win. A lot of mistakes Paul made by all three phases of that yep. game. But what I liked is from the head coach to the players that you spoke to in that locker room, it was, okay, maybe we got a little lucky, but we know that when we get back to work, there are things we need to correct for next week. Do you hear Buddha's breakdown? And the Cardinals tweeted this out, the locker room game ball presentation, and then the final team breakdown, and Buddha said, we need a better Friday practice. And Kyler said, look, we came out flat during his post-game presser. And actually, that was Cliff Kingsbury who said that. And you know what I asked around some of the coaches? A lot of the coaches did not like the week of practice going into this game. And what did Kyler say? One of the biggest opponents last year was the word complacency. So hopefully there's a mini lesson learned last week about that. Because a year ago, it was the week three game against the Lions at home that they lost at the end on a Matt Prater game-winning field goal. And there was some of that going on. So hopefully, perhaps, it's just a little reminder early in the season, okay, keep that edge intensity and urgency during practice week. You play how you practice, correct, Drew? I mean, more times than not, yes. But you can go out there and, again, I think that when you see that and you can head it off at the past, like Buddha was saying, and you go out there. So next Friday when they go out there, they're going to make sure that they have the screws dialed in there and they're really everybody is locked into what they need to do. And Friday is just, it, everybody calls it fast, fast Friday in the NFL for a reason. You go out there, you get your work in, you get a sweat in. Everything, the hay is in the barn at that point. The game plan's in. Everything is set up. So you want to go out there. You don't want to have to be rerunning plays or throwing interceptions or doing any of these things. It's supposed to be crisp. And if there is a lack of intensity that goes into that, then it could show up and creep up like it did in the early portion of that game. But the veteran leadership and the documentation of what Steve Keimer did to get that, so there is no panic throughout the entire locker room or each position group, that's what allows to carry you over in the third and fourth quarter to go out and win these quote-unquote ugly football games and that's where a jj watt comes in a rodney hudson comes in a matt prater comes in as far as those additions in the offseason those leaders if you will in all three phases of the game bottom line is though two and oh not going to apologize and now you look ahead to the jacksonville jaguars we'll look ahead when we come back at exactly what kyler murray did sunday and what he has done now so far in 2021 subscribe to arizona cardinals podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and stitcher Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like the Dave Pash Podcast, Cardinals Underground, Cardinals Cover 2, The Big Red Rage, and of course this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report. We do it year-round, 11 a.m. every Tuesday. Craig Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Paul Calvisi right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Second and nine on the 12. Murray in an empty set has the football. And it's going to be a quarterback run up the middle. At the 10, at the 5, Murray dies for the end zone. And he's in for the touchdown. Kyler Murray makes him pay with a 12-yard run. 
And then an unusual touchdown celebration. Now, he was already on the ground, but did you see he kind of did like the yoga pose with his legs crossed and his fingers in the air? Kyle, your touchdown celebration, was that just a yoga pose or was yeah. that a nod to Chandler? That's why I was just talking to these guys. I was like, I've never watched Star Wars before, so I don't, it, I, I didn't, you know, I got to my phone, I see people talking about Baby Yoda. For, like, I had no clue what that was. You know, I, I wasn't intending to do that because of that. But yeah, I've never watched Star Wars before, so I don't know. Please. Drew Stanton, please tell me you have seen Star Wars. Yes, Okay, I have. good. We can continue on here on the show. <laughs> I have a younger brother who goes to Comic-Con probably once every five years, so uh, I try not to own that or bring that up, so I have no choice but to be very familiar with Star Wars. Although I will say, as an adult, I have resisted the last dozen movies that have come out in the Star Wars way beyond a trilogy at this point, the money grab that is the whole Star Wars series at this point. By the way, I'm not buying what Kyler Murray is selling because I fully I believe he knows exactly what he did in the back of the end zone based off what Chandler Jones has done via social media and I just don't think he wants to acknowledge that Chandler Jones might have gotten to him a little bit <laughs> <laughs> he might not have but you know at the same time I think it just shows this locker room and it shows the lightheartedness and and you know the guys the camaraderie that exists I think that's something that's special that you can't you know put a price tag on you can't you know fake that that's something that's authentic and that back and forth and it allows people to relax and go out and play so uh you know it, it was funny either way what was the most embarrassing outfit you had to win <laughs> after losing the bucket challenge on friday and you'd have to run out pre-game two hours before kick and some sort of outfit what was the absolute worst outfit well the, the worst one was the one that was when we were in london uh, the documented Supergirl outfit that I had. Uh, <laughs> That's right. So I, I had to yes. wear that, and it was—I mean, it was yes. the worst conditions you've ever, ever seen for this bucket challenge. Like the ball's going sideways, and we usually had five throws apiece. Nobody could hit the bucket or do anything, and I was the last one to hit it because you had no chance of doing it. So. It was like the British Open, teeing oh, off at the it, British it, Open. It, it yeah. legitimately yeah. was, and then I had to do that. So, of course, um, you know, they documented it and had so much fun with it, so I, I took it and ran with it. But you you had to no-sell it to make sure that they didn't let you bother you. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I went out there and did a full jog. I mean, I did every single warm-up thing. Um, Fossil, who's the special teams coordinator, who's a really good one um, for the Rams at the time, I went running next to him, and he's like, please get away from me. Please get away from me. Please get away from me. So, but you got to own it. You had to own it. Or else, it, or else it's worse, right? Exactly, yeah. You yeah. got to own it. You yeah. can't let them know that it got to you, right. much to uh, Kyler's point. But, you know, there, there's uh, there's also revenge to be had because it's a long season. Well, we'll see what happens. Though Chandler Jones, earlier on Monday, he kept pushing this baby Yoda nickname. We'll see if it sticks. The head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, on Monday asked for his reaction to Kyler Murray's celebration. Pretty heartbroken that Kyler's never seen Star Wars because from about age four to nine, I wanted nothing more in life than to be Luke Skywalker. So I think he could learn some from, from that trilogy, if you will. Yes, Cliff Kingsbury, very well aware of what Star Wars is, and let's hope that uh, maybe we've got Luke Skywalker under center for the Arizona Cardinals. I asked him on his TV show about that. I said, you're a little offended. He said, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. That he had, that he had no- and don't, Dave Pash, come on, you should have known on the call. I mean, Dave is a huge Star Wars guy, so uh, you know, Dave's playing like he didn't know, and he's saying some sort of meditation pose. Of course not. No, of course not. No. All right, let's get into Kyler Murray. Here are his numbers from Sunday. 29 of 36 for 400 yards through the air, three touchdowns. 
touchdowns, two picks, five carries, 31 yards, and a touchdown. Drew, he's accounted for nine total touchdowns this season, seven passing, two rushing. That is tied for the most in the league with some guy by the name of Tom Brady. So some good company for Kyler Murray. Yeah, and you look at the way that he's doing it. That's what's most impressive. He's distributing the ball across the board. A.J. Green got in the end zone. Rondell Moore got in the end zone. He's doing a little bit of that in the red zone, you know, scrambling, getting in the end zone with two touchdowns. Um, on the ground by himself, but being able to distribute the ball to everybody, I mean, it, it's well documented. He he is just lightning in a bottle, and he can do it so many different ways that it's really hard to defense in the red zone because you don't know who to stop. Where, where do you go, and how do you do these things to really try and stop them? And like he said, most of the time, it's them just shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, the Cardinals are 7 of 9 in the red zone so far in two games. Think about that. You win a lot of games when you have that sort of efficiency in the red zone, right? Oh, that's what it comes down to, uh, and we talked about about it every single game in situational football when you can be good in the red zone and you're scoring touchdowns as opposed to kicking field goals that's going to put you in a position to win most most games at the very end and they did that and they can outlast teams they can go you know mano a mano against anybody because they have the ability the versatility that I've been talking about for a long time with the run game with the ability that they have at wide receiver because you can't you can't zone in on one guy yes you want to stop DeAndre Hopkins because he's as good as it gets in this league but when you have other guys that are making plays Christian Kirk showed up huge. I mean, that to me right there was one of, again, in cover zero, they tried to pressure him. They didn't make an adjustment offensive line-wise, and he had two guys coming right up the A-gap, and Kyler did an amazing job of just drifting and buying time and just flipping his hips and being able to flick that ball down the field 35 yards, I think it was, and Christian made an unbelievable play. I mean, if they don't make that play, who knows what happens. Year three for Kyler Murray. Things are definitely slowing down, something Kingsbury has been asked about, and basically acknowledged as much earlier this week. He's getting into some, into some really good plays and, and matchups, and I think the game's really slowed down for him in year three. Um, he's understanding what we're trying to do, and, and he's got a great group of receivers and running backs and O-line out there that's, that's helping him. You know, we talked in the offseason. Could Kyler emulate what just happened last season with Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson? Kyler was Rookie of the Year. He was a Pro Bowler in year two. But all three of those guys you just named in year three got playoff wins. They, they were winning quarterbacks. You're very familiar with Baker Mayfield, obviously, from your Browns days. What is it about year three, perhaps, that you see these quarterbacks, as talented as they are, as many stats as they may have put up, but there's just that next step in the revolution? Well, I think it's a year-long process, really, is because when you're a rookie and you start as a high draft pick, you get to play, and then you go into an offseason, it's like, well, what's my routine? How do I get through this? What's this? And so you're kind of tweaking and adjusting things throughout the course of that first offseason. You go through an entire season again, now you head into offseason. Okay, what do I need to do to be prepared to play? And so you can kind of sit back and you can kind of be more strategic on how you go about things. Okay, when do I start training? When do I start throwing? When do I start watching film? And all of these things. So by the time it comes around and really keeping that continuity for uh, Kyler across the board is huge. He's in the same system. He's being able to do all these same things. So the comfort level is just allowing him to do it. And they were on the cusp last year. They were very close. And so being able to stay out of harm's way for Kyler, being able to, again, find those checkdowns, be able to let other guys be athletes um, as much as possible. But when the time comes, also being able to make plays with his feet and, and do it throughout the course of a season is what's going to allow them to get into January and really wreak some havoc uh, come playoff time. There was a dramatic improvement from year one to year two. We're expecting another improvement from Kyler Murray here in year three. Max Williams on what he has seen different from Kyler Murray last year to Kyler Murray this year. It's his confidence this year. I mean, I think everyone's been saying it. 
since we got into camp. I mean, K1 is just, he's a different guy this year. And he's really took over the offense, really took over the team, taking accountability. And he's being the guy that we need him to be to make those next steps. And I think it's shown the first two weeks. What we're also seeing, Drew, is Kyler Murray doing what seems near impossible. The off-schedule throws, the throwing on the run and throwing across his body, throws that are not typical of a quarterback. Yet this has now become routine especially in the past two weeks, what he is doing. And then, as Paul mentioned earlier, just basically turning your back to the defense to <laughs> kind of buy more time. How difficult is what Kyler Murray is doing? Because I do think sometimes we take a little bit for granted on just based off his athleticism. Yeah, it just becomes normal, right, when you see him do these things and he turns his back and flips his hips and does all. Most guys, quarterbacks, are very comfortable escaping to the right. You know, most guys will try and set up rush lanes or blitz to try to bring in your face so you can escape right. Well, it was it was was documented and seen last Sunday. Kyler escaped to his left very quickly in a matter of milliseconds. Was able to deliver a ball completely accurate to Rondell Moore. So when you can do that, when you can create and do that on top of then scrambling for those yards, it's just it's so hard for a defense to try and defend every single portion of the field because he can do that each and every week. You know what else is accurate when Max Williams says it's his team. And whether that's because Larry Fitzgerald is no longer around, whether it's just year three and the comfort level with everybody else, the way he's been tasked with leading this organization. But you see it. I saw it on the sidelines in Tennessee week one. It was audible. And I can name names because Kyler did later. It was D-Hop and it was Rondell Moore. And he held those guys accountable. And everyone heard him air out those guys. And they took it. And they nodded, and the position coach came over, Sean Jefferson, and talked to both those receivers, and they moved on. And a little bit later, Kyler came over and patted him on the behind. This last game, it was 20-14. to 14. Kyler scored on the rushing touchdown. He worked the whole sideline like I've never seen before. He went up to every single position group up and down the bench, talking to guys, you know, pats on the back, had a little message for this guy, something there, to this group. So that leadership, whereas the first two years, he would sort of stay by himself on the bench, and him and Cam, you know, the quarterback's coach, and he was sort of in his own silo. That's not the case this year. That is the next step for him. And that's the perspective that you bring to the sidelines, Paul, because you're seeing that and that's not what sometimes the cameras catch. They catch him in the first two years sulking or by himself, and now we're seeing Kyler Murray a little bit more open and engaging with his teammates. I think that's big for him here in year three. The Dave Pash Podcast, Episode 8, available now with special guest Scott Hansen from NFL Red Zone. Follow along via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter, PashPod. Episode 9 on Wednesday features Washington football team president and former Cardinals running back Jason Wright. Again, the Patch Pod Episode 9 drops on Wednesday. It is halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Rayolu, Drew Stanton, and Paul Calvisi. When we come back, well, we'll give you some more about Rondell Moore. That's all straight ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Back to throw Murray in trouble. Spins out of there to his left, being chased by two Vikings, and launches it deep, wide open, near side at the 40s. Rondell Moore caught at the 30, at the 20, at the 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Kyler Murray, you are ridiculous. Murray magic, 77-yard touchdown pass. 99.9% of the quarterbacks on the planet get sacked. But not only does Kyler Murray not get sacked, he throws a touchdown. 
nasty is as nasty does. And we all know that Kyler Murray is nasty. The stuff you see in dreams and in video games, but not in the NFL. Wow. 77 yards, the first career touchdown catch in the pro career of Rondell Moore. That made it 21-20, the Cardinals' first lead on Sunday. They would go on to beat the Vikings 34-33 as we welcome you back here to the Cardinals' Red Sea Report. Craig Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Paul Calvisi. Now watching that highlights, you would see Christian Kirk escorting Rondell Moore down the field with a good block on the inside. And what you missed was on the sideline, Paul Calvisi trying to run step for step with <laughs> no, Rondell Moore no. into the end zone. No, the uh, Cardinals have a coaching intern with the quarterbacks. He's a young guy with good legs. He tried to keep up and he lost miserably. So I don't even attempt that sort of stuff believe me I, I can't even get through a youth baseball practice without pulling my quad but it was something I mean every time I see him it's just like he gone I mean just the speed and when you can separate on an NFL field that's when you know you're elite when those kind of guys are that impressive athletically physically on an NFL field that's when you know he's the exception and that sort of speed did you see the body language of the minnesota dbs after that they were so frustrated they were barking at each other that was you no that was me whose guy was that what he should have been sacked he wasn't sacked as kyler murray got away and then got the pass off he's keeping his eyes downfield i that was a moment it was a turning point in the game not just on the scoreboard but down on the field because the vikings their defensive guys start barking at each other we always hear drew that speed kills but speed does nothing if you don't catch the football first and I think that was the biggest thing and Rondell Moore even brought it up post game on Sunday it's like I hope I just don't drop it I mean you're so wide open those are the more difficult catches and that you have to make sometimes oh yeah it seems like the ball's in the air for an eternity but I, I think uh to Paul's point too is you're starting to get used to ma- seeing Rondell make the first guy miss he's turning all of this into a punt return and he has that kind of escapability and this is not like you're going against a high school team. Like you're going against really good talent in the NFL, and he's showing that he can do that on a consistent basis. Um, you know, and again, it's the beauty of having a guy like that that can just find ways to get the ball in his hands, get creative. Look what he did at Pittsburgh, but also Cliff's got a great repertoire that he can go to. Of okay you all of a sudden use him as a check down and you get him one-on-one in space with a linebacker or something like that in his own defense, every single time you'll take that matchup. So here's your week two update. NFL leaders, all-purpose yards. Number one, Christian McCaffrey. Number two, Derrick Henry. Number three, Debo Samuel. Number four, Tyler Lockett. Number five, Rondale Moore. All-purpose yards. That's not rookies. That's the NFL. He's already top five. And I think they're just scratching the surface and trying to figure out how to use him, how to deploy him. And you know what? If these teams are going to use some of the same looks they tried a year ago with the two high safeties and you go with the mush rush and some of the other things and you're going to go someone extra over the top over D-hop, which they did the last three quarters of the game, then guess what? They now have a weapon to make those defenses pay when they overcommit. Well, Rondell Moore leads the NFL in yards after catch and amongst rookie receivers he's number one in receiving yards so yes small sample size but through two games a lot to like with Rondell Moore Moore. remember a day two draft pick Kyler Murray talking about when he first noticed Rondell Moore you know back during before the draft I sent I sent Steve a a video that was going on Instagram of of his one-on-ones in college (laughs) I knew I knew nothing about the kid I knew nothing about him um, and, you know, and from that video, just it was a couple of one-on-ones, you know, and I, I just knew 
he knew what he was doing as far as route running, um, how to set guys up. You know, his his feel, his ability, like you could see it. So, um, yeah, I, I expect it from Rondo. My most impressive play from Rondell Moore though Sunday Drew was his ability to have the presence of mind to be look at the clock realize okay now I need to get out of bounds but that catch that he made right before the end of the first half setting up Matt Prater for the 62 yarder I went back he caught that ball with six seconds to go made two different Viking defenders miss I'm sitting there going get out of bounds get out of bounds and there was another move and then he gets out as the clock goes from two to one allowing for one final snap of the football yeah the i mean that's the difference in the game like we talked about before is being able to get those points before half but having a rookie wide receiver that has the wherewithal to look up at the clock and see that you don't see that from veteran guys you know and to be able to do that and then turn that into points it's just a tremendous job but again being around him hearing him talk the way he carries himself as a young guy he's light years that's a Star Wars reference for you there, Paul. <laughs> uh, ahead of where he probably could and should be. But there is a concerted effort for Steve Kime and everybody else through this draft class to go out and get guys like that. They're going to be way ahead in the professionalism that exists because that's what's going to help you come um, playoff time to be able to get over the hump. If you go upstairs to Craig Grillo's desk, he has a lightsaber, <laughs> just to let you know, on the desk. Just, just to let, let you know on let that the one. door open for yeah. that one, Drew. Thanks. You know, 2018, he was a consensus All-American as a true freshman. And there are only two other guys who have done that in college football history. And one was named Herschel Walker, and I think the other one was Adrian Peterson. i got to double-check my factoid on that, but it's ridiculous. So the fact that he ended up on day two, as you mentioned, Craig, was just a byproduct of the fact 2019, 2020, he didn't play. He was injured. It was a pandemic. Purdue didn't play a lot of games. Cliff Kingsbury said that this week. If he would have had anywhere near the same sort of seasons the last two years of college, he did his first year, there's no way he gets out of round one, not even close. And what I like, too, is the pre-snap motion. This was staggering to me in the offseason when we realized, Drew, that the Arizona Cardinals were dead last a year ago in pre-snap motion. I never would have figured that in a Cliff Kingsbury offense. Now, was that because he didn't have the guy and now he has the guy? All I know is I, I saw Tom Brady, and you finished last year with the Buccaneers. I saw Tom Brady say recently he's really a proponent on board with pre-snap motion now more than ever because it really helps him sort of decipher a defense because now he figures out, all right, are they in zone and man, it's that much easier. So he's actually come to embrace pre-snap motion a lot more than he did earlier in his career, Tom Brady. And I, I'm curious if you think that helps Kyler Murray in the same way. I think it can definitely help, and we talked about it last week on this show, that sometimes it puts a lot of stress on the offensive line. So being able to have a guy like Rodney Hudson that can change protection, redirect the mic, and do that, because by sending the motion or doing different things, you can change strength and formation. Um, To Tom Brady's point, yes, they do a lot of different stuff of displacing the back so they can get a man zone read, be able to get a better feel for what's going on. Um, But when you have a guy like Rondell Moore that can send in motion, and then, again, he's your outlet. He's your, your safety valve that you can throw the ball to and get it in space. I mean, the kid has so much potential to continue to do this on a weekly basis. And uh, actually, his college quarterback at Purdue, David Blau, uh, I played with him in Cleveland and just said, this kid is going to be special. And unfortunately, this league is trying to look at reasons why they don't draft kids. And you go to the combine, and a lot of the combine is, okay, give me a reason not to draft this kid. He's short. Okay. So is that a deterrent to what's going on? Because his ability and what he does and is able to do on a football field is so unique and so rare that his talent is going to you know, far outlast the fact that he's a little bit shorter.
excited about what Rondell Moore can do this season and this week. It's a big week, Cardinals at the Jaguars. And, of course, this Wednesday, Episode 2 of Cardinals Folktales, the night the goalposts vanished, 1997. Paul, you were there. The Cardinals <laughs> beat the Cowboys yeah. in Week 2. The goalposts come down, and outside Sun Devil Stadium, yeah. they go. Sort of like Rondell Moore. Uh, there he goes. Well, wait a minute. There go the goalposts. That was 1997 after an epic, historic win against the Cowboys, which... When I say historic, the two franchises have never been the same since. They really haven't. And the Cardinals have dominated the Cowboys. And we got a good sense of just the magnitude of the moment. And it's going to be an unbelievable folktales. And uh, everybody was on board with that thing going down Mill Avenue. And we'll go down memory lane with the goalposts. Premieres Wednesday on the Cardinals YouTube channel. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Pass to the left, caught by Moore at the 40, and again, instead of running out of bounds, turns up field. He's at midfield into Viking territory, steps out of bounds with a second left at the 43-yard line. There is no way Rondell Moore did what he just did right there. Made three Vikings miss and got out of bounds. What an incredible play by Rondell Moore. This will be a 62-yard attempt. Snap, ball is down. Prater's kick is absolutely crushed. And it's gone! A 62-yarder at the gun by Prater, and the Cardinals take the lead 24-23 into the locker room. Oh, my goodness, what a kick from Matt Prater! (laughs) The kicker with tats! Wolf just fascinated by Matt Prater's ink job. Might be an interview... Get those two to sit down and have a discussion. It was a great moment on the sideline. So he nails the 62-yarder. They come out for the second half. There's that downtime before kickoff. Cardinals are going to be getting the ball, so he's not doing much of anything. And somebody mentions, hey, Matt, by the way, that was an all-time Cardinals record, team record. And he just sort of nodded. Zero reaction. I mean, he is a stone-faced killer on the sideline. Just a lack of reaction. And then you think about it, well, that's because he holds the team record for three different franchises, and he holds the NFL record. So yet another team record is nothing for this guy. 64 yards with the Broncos, 62 yards with the Cardinals, and twice 59 yards with the Lions. Those are the (laughs) franchises that Matt Prater has the record for longest field goal in team history. And And he did crush that ball. would have been I mean, good from maybe yeah, 68 yeah. and close in, to 70. In baseball, they say that he nuked that thing, right? That was a tank. I mean, no doubt. It was also a good performance in addition to Prater. How about Christian Kirk? He only had three catches, but when he is catching footballs, Drew is something that I think gets lost because it's completions on third down, completions on fourth down. We've seen it now twice in two weeks. Kyle Murray backpedaling off his back foot, lofts it up in the air and into the arms of Christian Kirk for a huge completion. Cardinals, though, Sunday, unable to capitalize on that first and goal from the six, but it is a contract year for Christian Kirk, but he's making the most of his opportunities. Yeah, and it's just about staying healthy for him. I mean, he being a guy as, as talented as he is and a local guy, that uh, uh, he has the ability to break games wide open for you too. And just getting him on the field, what's most impressive, though, is the fact that these plays are coming later in the game. You know, most guys, most wide receivers, they, uh, they want to get involved early. 
And when they're not involved early, they have a tendency to kind of check out mentally or do different stuff. That's why when you have an opening script, you want to try and get the ball in everybody's hands, get them into the flow of the game. I mean, we used to do that all the time with Larry of, okay, here's our completions to Larry. Here's our completions to be able to get David Johnson in the flow of the game and the runs. All of these things because you want people to to get into it. And so to be able to do this in the latter part of the game is even more impressive because it lets you know his mentality is staying focused on the task at hand and he's dialed in to the signals of what's going on and he just flat out just straight up ran by the guy on a cover zero blitz on a crucial fourth and five as we talked about before and that's really difficult to have a comfort level of a quarterback because you have to have so much trust and you've got to release that ball so early but Kyler has that ability to trust in Christian Kirk and that's what we heard in the offseason was you get him in the slot you get him back to where he's familiar with that's where he excels he told us in the big red rage that's where he has the most confidence being inside like that that's where he goes back to the college days with Kyler at Texas A&M so you can see that that chemistry that connection but to your point about getting guys involved early D hop obviously had a very productive first quarter four catches he had that touchdown and then they devoted extra attention to D hop and they effectively took him out I loved your point uh, during the break there Drew that you know what the Cardinals a year ago maybe don't win that game without a big game from D-Hop, right? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a telltale as we move forward throughout the course of the season. He's going to get a lot of attention. So these other guys being able to step up, Rondell Moore, even, you know, like I said, getting A.J. Green involved in some way, shape, or form. But you're still going to have to find ways to get creative, get the ball in DeAndre Hopkins' hands because all of those catches coming too early on, when the game's in the balance, like we saw last year, you don't want to have to rely on a Hail Mary to get him to catch the ball over three guys. So you're going to have to get kind of uh, a little bit strategic and get prepared for that because teams are going to try and take away certain assets. And Jalen Ramsey's coming up in week four, and then Jalen Ramsey again. And remember what he did against D-Hop last year and both those Rams wins. And everybody now, they're 0-8 against Sean McVay. Yeah, we don't need to get into that just yet. Kyler, though, completing passes to six different receivers on Sunday, all six with at least three catches. And we talked about Christian Kirk on the receiving end with three of those passes from Kyler Murray. Here's head coach Cliff Kingsbury on what he's seen out of Christian Kirk so far this year. I just think he feels healthy and he feels confident. Um, we've been able to play him more inside, which is where I, I've always felt like he excelled even when he was at Texas A&M. Uh, he just looks really confident playing inside. The last receiver we want to touch on here is the tight end, Max Williams. A career day for him against his hometown team. Seven catches, 94 yards, and we often hear, Drew, the tight end, a quarterback's best friend, and I think Max Williams might be becoming that for Kyler Murray. Well, anytime you can get up the hash and be able to have guys like that and stretch the field vertically for you on that portion of the field, it's critical. I mean, he went from not having a catch last week against Tennessee because it wasn't as needed to going out and having a career day. So, again, the versatility versatility of this offense being able to do that he is a true throwback tight end that uh, can stick his hand in the dirt be able to block and do some stuff but that security blanket again to be able to find matchups across the field it just opens up so many more things when you have a tight end that you can rely on is that what's been missing from this offense you think well, I think there's a couple things, and all of these pieces are kind of getting put into place. Uh, yes, Max Williams is a part of it. Rondell Moore is a part of it. Um, A.J. Green's a part of it because now Christian Kirk can slide back into the slot and do all of these things. Christian Kirk can go back to his natural position. And again, it takes a while to go through a massive transition like they did with a Cliff Kingsbury style of offense to be able to get the personnel to fit that. And you have all of these pieces in place. And when you have a quarterback playing at the elite level like Kyler is on top of all of these weapons at his disposal, like he said in the preseason, 
reason. If we can't have success, if I can't have success with all of these weapons, I'm not doing my job. And he's taken that step in a leadership role, and now we're seeing it because guys like Max Williams can go out there and have a monster day when nobody would have even thought about it, and he's probably on everybody's fantasy pickup waiver wire now. Because remember, yeah, you're in the uh, second X in Max. That's what he did. Yeah, he, he was that X factor in a way, and I think it, it is much needed, to your point, Craig. What did we talk about the second half of last season when they lost five out of seven? Adjust to the adjustment. And guess what? They saw it in week two. They saw the two high safeties, extra help over the top on D-Hop in the last three quarters, uh, the return of the mush rush at times. And so now all of a sudden, if you have that tight end, keeping them honest down the seam, seemingly, I'll leave the X's and O's up to you, Drew, but that's the Cardinals have to have an answer to that. And, and if, if in the failure of any other game plan, I think they can expect to continue to see that from Jacksonville and other opponents that seemingly is the answer from opponents as to how to defend Kyler, is to make him... Now, we asked Cliff Kingsbury about that on his TV show this week, the whole mush rush, and his response was a little bit bit snarky. He said, you know what, I hope they do that, because then it gives Kyler more time to throw, and there's more weapons for him to find this year than ever. Yeah, well, again, that middle portion of the field when you can have a guy stretch it vertically or being able to create those high lows with Rondell Moore or with Christian Kirk and having a tight end that can do that, it just plays into everybody's hands so much better because then, okay, with the availability of analytics, right, everybody's breaking down everybody and the the numbers are readily available. Where do they throw? What do we do? How can we stop this guy? And, And to Cliff's point and your point, the middle of the field, usually with a shorter type of a quarterback, it's hard to see that. So being able to have not just one guy, a slot receiver you feel good about, having a tight end that can then create those matchups, where do you go? And when you try and put more of a concerted effort there, that opens up those one-on-ones on the outside with not only DeAndre Hopkins, but A.J. Green. Analytics not needed for us to know that the Cardinals are a better team than the Jaguars, at least on paper. But this, Drew, is a dangerous game because of what the Jaguars are and what they have not done so far this season. Yeah, I mean, you got to show up and play each and every Sunday. Uh, those East Coast road trips are difficult, especially for teams on the West Coast, but it's so early in the season, and everybody's real, and there's so much hype around Trevor Lawrence and what's going on and, and the ability to do that, but you have to show up and play, and you can't tiptoe into this one. You've got to go out, and again, if you can go out right off the bat, punch them in the mouth like in Tennessee and jump on a team like this early, that's when doubt creeps in and you can start rolling. Jacksonville has lost 17 straight, and they've allowed at least 23 points in every one of those 17 straight losses. 63% humidity, by the way, in Jacksonville (laughs) for you, Polly. Frizz factor. Special thanks to Jim Omohundro, Jeff Jarge, for Drew Stanton, Paul Calvisi. I'm Craig Rialu. We'll talk to you in one week's time here on the Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Kirk, he got it! He's in! Touchdown! Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score! Touchdown! Oh, baby! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown! Cardinals win! This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. (laughs) 